Hey, what's up, T-Town? Thanks for joining us for episode number two of the Just Tulsa podcast. I'm your host, Tyler. This episode is sponsored by Reset Restoration, a full-service disaster restoration and remediation company serving the Tulsa area. You can check them out at ResetRestoration.com. In today's episode, we get on the phone with State Representative Eric Proctor, who represents District 77 right here in Tulsa and the State House of Representatives, to talk family, finding Dory, and the state budget deficit. This phone call ends up being about 15 minutes or so, so I'm going to put the interview at the end of the episode, just so you know where to find it. I'm also going to tell you about a few other Tulsa websites you should check out. And I'm going to tell you about one of downtown Tulsa's newest restaurants that's already making waves, and that is Jinya Ramen Bar. No, they don't serve ramen out of a plastic package, for those of you that aren't familiar with what a ramen bar is. Anyways, we'll get to that in a little while. Here's this week's weather. If you're listening to this on Monday morning, it may already be raining because it looks like we have about a 40% chance of morning thunderstorms and a high of 59 degrees on Monday. Things will clear up later in the day. Tuesday is shaping up to be sunny with a high of 51 degrees. Wednesday we'll see highs even higher at 62 degrees, thank God, especially after this weekend. Thursday we've got a high of 65 degrees to look forward to. And as if we believed it wasn't possible, Friday we'll have a high of 66 degrees, slightly cloudy on Friday. Saturday we'll have a high of 64 degrees, and Sunday we'll drop back down to a high of 58. There's a slight chance of precipitation throughout the week, you know, 10 to 20%, but nothing as high as that 40% on Monday. Okay, here's this week's events and concerts in Tulsa. Head over to Mainline Art Bar at 111 North Main to see artist David Holland's exhibit titled Cloudology. This will be running through the 29th of January. The Martin Luther King Day Parade this year starts on Monday at 11 a.m. in the Greenwood District, downtown Tulsa. This year's theme is Love Conquers Hate. Check out mlktulsa.com for more info. Wink Bircham takes the stage up at Mercury Lounge this week on the 17th, that's Tuesday, with Jacob Tovar and the Saddle Tramps. This starts at 9 p.m. and you can catch him at 1747 South Boston, just south of downtown. Head on over to the Oklahoma Jazz Hall of Fame at 5 South Boston on Tuesday, January 17th to catch the Depot Jazz and Blues Jams. It's an assembly of some of the greater musicians in Tulsa jamming together, playing, as you guessed, jazz and blues. This runs from 6 to 10 p.m., and like I said, that's on Tuesday. This one sounds fun. You can catch the Newlywed Game in its live version at the Looney Bin from 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. on Wednesday the 18th. Of course, this is a non-smoking venue, 18 and over, full kitchen, full bar, all that stuff. Should be a really good time. On the 18th at 7 p.m., you can catch ORU go head-to-head with South Dakota at the Maybe Center. Tickets run from $12 to $22, but kids 13 and under are free. A little further north, Tulane and University of Tulsa go head-to-head at the Reynolds Center on the 18th. That's Wednesday at 6.30 p.m. You can head over to the River Spirit Casino on Thursday the 19th to catch Don Henley of the Eagles. You know that's going to be a good concert. On Thursday the 19th from 5.30 p.m. to 8 p.m., you can head over to the Philbrook downtown to hear an artist talk with Mike Glear an internationally acclaimed artist. He'll be speaking about his process, his history, and the inspiration of his work. Also on Thursday the 19th, head over to the Mercury Lounge at 1747 South Boston at 10 p.m. to catch the Paul Benjamin Band. This guy is one of my favorite guitar players in Tulsa. If you haven't seen him live, you're missing out. 
Alan Jackson will be at the River Spirit Casino at 8 p.m. on Friday the 20th. That'll probably be another good one to check out. Tickets still available for that. And if you got kids, here's a good one for you. Whole Foods at 1401 East 41st is putting on a kids' story and craft time at 10 a.m. on Friday the 20th. Okay, that wraps up this week's events and concerts. Here are a couple of Tulsa websites that are not just Tulsa.com that I think everyone should check out. They're really cool. The first one I want to tell you about is TulsaPeople.com. Now, you've probably seen the racks usually right at the entrance of businesses where they'll be giving away TulsaPeople.com. It's a free magazine. I don't know how they do that, but they've been doing it for 30 years. And what Tulsa People Magazine is, is it's a magazine basically showcasing the people, places, and events in Tulsa. And they do a really good job of it. The, the writing's great, the stories themselves are great, and the photography's beautiful. So anyways, you can actually see the online version of their website for free at TulsaPeople.com. I highly recommend checking it out. Get on there and just browse through it. There's a lot of cool stuff on there. Um, also, follow them on Facebook because they, you know, they share their articles when they post them. Secondly, another uh, another really cool Tulsa website I want to tell you about is TulsaFood.com. TulsaFood.com is probably the food blog slash, well, whatever you want to call it. I think they're a little more than a blog in my opinion. But, you know, the, it's the place to find food information in Tulsa. They've been running since 2008, so they've been around quite a while. And they promote local restaurants and chefs, and they talk about food events and stuff like that in Tulsa. They actually even have an app in the app store, so go check that out too. Just make sure and don't look at it if you're hungry. Just trust me on that one. The last website I want to tell you about today is 918plate.com. I've been following Hillary Rankin on there. God, that sounds creepy. I, okay, let me put it this way. I've been following this blog ever since I came across it, and Hillary Rankin, the owner slash writer, whatever you want to call her, she posts a lot of really good recipes that me and my wife have tried, and uh, we've really got a kick out of them. She posts quite frequently, and everything that she's posted so far, all of her ingredients or all of her recipes have been absolutely delicious. So, based on that, check her out. It's kind of a home cooking blog. Lots of good pictures on this one, too. That one's 918plate.com, and you can also find 918plate on Facebook as well. Okay, that was three great Tulsa websites you should look up. Go check them out. Okay, on this week's food segment, I'm going to talk about a restaurant that just opened up in Tulsa that I have been really excited about ever since I heard it was going to open because the reviews for the other locations around the United States were really positive. This place is really, really, really popular. And the name of this restaurant is Jinya Ramen Bar. And I'm going to go ahead and say it right now. I think this place has got staying power. I was thrilled on my last visit. Jinya is located at 416 East 2nd Street. That's right there on the kind of the east side of the Blue Dome District. Uh, on the same corner as Dilly Deli, just down a little ways to the east. So when me and a couple of buddies got together for lunch on a recent Saturday, I was pretty excited. Jinya has been pretty busy ever since their doors opened in December, and on our recent visit, people simply never stopped coming in. When you first walk in, the restaurant staff shouts, Irishai! One of my buddies who's currently studying Japanese tells me this means welcome to our shop. Anyways, so the hostess takes us to a community table, which is basically a big long table with a bunch of chairs on it, and the idea is that people that don't know each other necessarily may be sitting at the same table. It's kind of weird. I've heard of it before. It's not actually, it's not really weird. It's just different. We sat down. The restaurant's decorated in this really beautiful industrial rustic look. 
there was Edison bulbs hanging over our table. I absolutely loved it. I totally want to live in a house that looks like this. So anyways, we ordered our drinks and started looking through the menu. Uh, one of my buddies ordered a, a bottle of cold sake, and another one of my friends ordered a Marshall Sundown Wheat, which is made in Tulsa. It's a good beer. I, of course, opted for a Coke. We got straight to the appetizer section of the menu and started searching around. The takoyaki, which is basically a fried octopus ball, was a gorgeous display of several pieces of battered and fried octopus over egg tartar topped with kewpie mayonnaise, akonomiyaki sauce, fresh cut green onion, and smoked bonito flakes. Now I just probably slaughtered like five words there, but I don't care, I'm rolling with it. So honestly, I've never seen anything like this before. The batter is really sweet and crispy at the same time, and the, the smell of the octopus is very distinct and it's very present, so if this is you know, off-putting to you, you may want to skip this one. But if you like seafood, this was good. And it's only $7.50. Came out really fast, too. We also ordered a plate of fried pork gyoza, which is basically a dumpling uh, fried in a pan stuffed with pork. Simple enough concept. And ever since the first time I ever had pork gyoza, which was at Hapa Japanese Cuisine in Owasso, over kind of on the east side of Owasso, uh, I've made it a point to try this appetizer anytime I find out that a restaurant sells it because A, it's really good, and B, I just kind of like to see how other restaurants do it when there is a variation. So I'm no chef, but I suspect this isn't exactly a difficult dish to get right. It is safe to say, however, that if you feel like fried pork dumplings is something you're interested in, you're going to want to give these a shot. They taste good, and get this, they're only $6. That's for six pieces. You can honestly probably eat this for a meal if you were uh, just barely more than a little peckish. They taste good and they're filling. Probably not super healthy, but who cares? So I noticed that it had an, another item in their small plate menu, and that was called the Jinya bun. I thought, okay, that sounds fairly innocuous. Let's see what it is. And the menu described it as a steamed bun stuffed with slow braised pork chashu, served with cucumber, baby mixed greens, Jinya's original bun sauce, not sure about that one yet, and more Kewpie mayonnaise. I felt pretty confident I was going to like it, so I ordered it. When they brought it out, I was actually quite surprised by the bun. Uh, I've never seen anything like it, honestly. And here's about the best way I can describe it. And this is not with a food item, so if that gives you any kind of heads up, it looks different. It kind of looks like when you buy, like your kid, a, a deal of Play-Doh, and the first time you pull the white Play-Doh out of its little jar or can or whatever it is it comes in, if you were to slice off a, a sliver of that, that's kind of what the bun looks like. It's very white. I don't know, it's just different, but it tastes really good. Didn't taste weird at all. It was great. And that was only $4.50. Our waiter, Mike, who's an extremely knowledgeable and friendly and down-to-earth guy, told us that he's heard the bun described as lighter than angel kisses, which was pretty funny to me. And he was totally dead on. The bun was very light. It's good. Get this if you go there. It's only $4.50. Got a big chunk of pork right in the middle of it, and that spring mix is really good, too. Another thing we ordered there was the salmon cilantro sashimi. And this dish was recommended by another one of the members in our party, and he said he'd had it before. And I trusted him on this because me and him have real similar tastes in food. So reading how the menu described the plate, which was salmon sashimi topped with cilantro and diced jalapenos and then dressed with a citrus soy sauce, that was enough to sell me on it. I said, okay, let's go for it. When I saw the dish with my eyes, I knew it was going to be good. And it smelled really good too. And this probably goes without saying, but if you're not a fan of cilantro, you're not going to like this dish. I know there are these, this chunk of the population that is 
unfortunately been cursed with this terrible thing where cilantro tastes like soap to them for some reason. My dad and my sister are like that and I feel terrible for them, but it doesn't taste like soap to me, so I'm happy. Anyways, if you do like cilantro and you do like sashimi too, which is gonna be its own kind of particular thing as well, you're gonna like this appetizer, it's really good. That's the salmon cilantro sashimi. This one was $8.50, it's worth every penny, it's great. It's not even really that big, but it's still worth $8.50. So one of the diners in our party ordered the spicy cream vegan ramen bowl as we were putting in our orders for, uh, I guess you would say our entree, but really, you know, our ramen bowls. And this was the first entree to come out on our visit. All the other ones came out right behind it. But the first one was this spicy creamy vegan ramen bowl. This looked really good. I didn't try it myself. Uh, I just didn't. I don't want to eat noodles out of someone else's bowl. But my buddy said that the vegetable broth that they use in this bowl is one of the most appealing parts of it to him. He said it's really good. This bowl also features tofu as kind of the main component. So if you don't want, you know, if you don't like tofu, you may want to pass on this too. I like tofu myself, so at $12, I'll be giving this bowl a try sometime in the future, I'm sure. The other three members of our party, including myself, we all ordered the Sprouting Up Ramen Bowl, which I understand is kind of Virginia's staple offering. And this was everything I hoped it would be. It was great. The broth is absolutely perfect. Uh, our waiter said that the broth is really how you judge ramen by, you know, good broth. You wouldn't think so because, you know, there's noodles and all this stuff in it. But their broth was excellent. The noodles, which were made in-house, had great texture. And it even really had a little bit of a snap to each bite. I enjoyed them. They were good. Chopping up the half-seasoned egg that came in my bowl and kind of mixing it up with my chopsticks made the bowl even more creamy. It made the broth even more creamy. It was, that was a good move. Someone else recommended that to me too. The pork chashu medallions that came in our ramen bowl, they were really marbled with fat, you know, giving a real good flavor and texture both. And after having a few of the menu items with this pork chashu in it, the other one being that Jinya bun, I gotta say I'm a fan. I can't wait to have more of it. One other thing, and I'm not really a crazy Brussels sprouts fan. I mean, they're all right, but I don't go out of my way to eat them. This bowl has, I think they called them crispy Brussels sprouts in them, and they were like these, you know, tastes like they were fried on a skillet or something. And they were, yeah, crispy, but they really just had that good fried flavor to them. They were awesome. I could eat Brussels sprouts like that. That doesn't bother me one bit. So here are a couple of other things I noticed about Ginya, which are kind of off the wall, but you know, if you know, if you know me, you know how I am about this kind of stuff. So the quality of materials that I noticed they use, the ramen bowls are real large and they give you plenty of food to take back home. Uh, this is where I get kind of weird. One of the things I noticed was the take-home containers that they gave us were nice and sturdy, real good quality. The lids fit on tight so you didn't have to worry about spilling your food everywhere. I ended up taking home enough to have another meal out of it. So like I said, with the, the ramen bowls being 12 or $13, it's really a pretty good meal because it's gonna make two meals for you, essentially. The utensils themselves were good quality, of course, regular old chopsticks. There's nothing really you can change too much about that. And I really kind of take all this as a sign of how this restaurant does business, along with the waiter and you know the food, the presentation, all that. You can tell they're not screwing around. I like that about a restaurant. I'm always willing to support a restaurant that does business like that. Back to the portion size versus the price, uh, particularly with the ramen noodles themselves, that was, like I said, satisfactory. You're not gonna be walking out of this place feeling like you get ripped off. If you eat the whole bowl of ramen in one setting, there's something wrong with you, you got a tapeworm or something. I don't know, I'm sure people do it all the time, but you're gonna be hurting, I bet. 
I'm not doing it anytime soon. Speaking of the quality of customer service, our waiter, Mike, like I said, the guy was real professional, friendly, knowledgeable. He seemed to be involved with us. He wasn't somewhere else joking with the waiters or whatever while he was actually working with us. He was perfect. And he was able to make recommendations when we asked about him without hesitation. That was nice. And there wasn't ever a single second where I felt like he was giving us too much attention. I, that's kind of always kind of creepy. Or obviously too little attention, which is just straight up aggravating. I'm starting to feel really, uh, what's the word? High maintenance. I'm not really like that though. So anyways, our server, he was really skilled. He seemed to enjoy his job. I appreciated that big time. Now on to the speed of service. Every course of our meal and our drinks came out in a perfectly reasonable amount of time. Uh, it's not like they came out like, you know, getting a double cheeseburger at McDonald's. They weren't that fast, but they were still plenty fast for what the meal is. These, the, the kitchen staff seems to have their stuff together back behind the wall. And that was with them being moderately busy. So I was impressed with that too. And then of course, uh, what I had mentioned about the presentation of the dishes, I'm not myself, I'm not a huge snob about presentation, but when a restaurant does it well, it's worth noting, you know? And when a restaurant does it poorly, it's worth noting too in a different way, but that's neither here nor there. So Jinya knocks this out of the park too. Each dish looked as great as it tasted. And that really seems to be a common thread among Japanese restaurants. So when we got done, of course, we cleared out, made room for all the people that were ready to also eat ramen. We paid our tickets, they wasn't crazy prices or anything. And we went on our way and we'll definitely be back. And I hope you'll go check them out too. I think you're gonna like them. So for our guest interview today, like I said earlier, we sit down with State Representative Eric Proctor from District 77. He's serving his last year this year per term limits as the state uh, representative for that district. And just take a listen to our little conversation here. I've known Eric about 30 years or so, and we go way back. And of course, you know, our conversations never get too formal. So as I said earlier, this episode does run super long today. It looks like, judging by the time clock right now, it's going to end up being nearly 35, 40 minutes long. So make sure and follow us at facebook.com slash justtulsa, and you can find us on Instagram too. Or also on, oh yeah, our website, justtulsa.com. Also, make sure and subscribe to our podcast on the iTunes store. You can find us by searching in the podcast section, searching for Tulsa or Just Tulsa, all one word. And that's it. Enjoy the interview. Okay, so I've got State Representative Eric Proctor on the phone with me. Thanks for being on the show today, Eric. Hey, thanks for having me, Tyler. I've got a couple of questions for you today. What's it like to be a state representative? What's a day in the life for you? Well, you basically have two separate uh, parts of the job. There's a job where you're back home and you're taking care of uh, constituents and their needs and concerns and any issues they have with state government. And then you have uh, the part of the job where you're at the state capitol for four months. And we're there February through May, uh, Monday through Thursday. And so it varies uh, depending on what time of the year it is, what, what you're doing with the job. And basically, you have as much uh, involvement as you want to have in your community. Um, there's a lot of people that, that uh, talk about legislative pay in Oklahoma. Uh-huh. And my response to that is we've got about 10 people that probably aren't paid enough in the House of Representatives, about 20 that are paid about just right, and about 70 that shouldn't be paid at all. <laughs> so depending on, depending on uh, 
what the representative is or who they are or what their work ethic is, um, the job of a state representative is going to vary very immensely uh, depending on the person that's holding the job. It's not any different uh, than uh, than any other job out there. You're going to have your workhorses and your show horses and uh, people that don't do anything at all. Uh, and that's not any different uh, yeah. in, in politics. And you've been doing this since 2007, right? That's, Correct. That's I was elected, uh, elected in 2006, uh-huh. and uh, I'm in my final my final term, my sixth term, uh, due to term limits. Uh, be starting our 11th session in February. Oh wow! Okay. Uh, what's your plan after that? Well, I'm looking very much forward to being uh, much more of a full-time dad and <laughs> being home. Yep, I, I hear work that. here as a, as a commercial lender at a bank in uh, in Tulsa. And so I'll be doing that. And you never say never on running for another political office, mm-hmm. uh, but I would imagine it's going to be somewhere many years down the line uh, when I've got twin two-year-old girls. <laughs> so Ooh. I'm looking forward to being, uh, being home with them a lot more and not missing uh, nearly as much as I have missed the last two years. I hear that. I, I traveled a lot for work in the last couple of years, and you know we just brought our second one into the family, and she's just now four months. And it's, I mean, between a four-year-old and a four-month-old, it's they're a handful. Uh, well, they girls, they change so much right now. When you go away uh, for 16 different weeks like I do uh, in the spring, um, over the course of a week, they've, le- they've learned new words yeah. and new abilities, and you absolutely so much. So. Yeah, that, and you, you want to be there. You want to be there to see all that, and you definitely want to be there to, you know, you want to be part of their lives as they grow up, too. Exactly. That's right. So what's uh, what's the important stuff we can see coming across the table in the State House of Representatives this year as far as what are the bills we need to be keeping an eye on? Well, the biggest issue, what everything is going to be revolving around, is this is going to be the third straight year where we've had a massive budget deficit. Mm-hmm. Um talking about going from an $8 billion budget to what looks like a $4.9 billion budget. You've got some agencies over the last few years that have taken 40% cuts. Um, education is K through 12 and higher ed makes up around 53 to 54% of the state budget. So when you have a budget deficit, uh, that is going to be an area that takes takes a hit. Uh, and unfortunately, uh, due to some of the policies that have been passed in the last eight years, um, I don't really see a light at the end of the tunnel. I think this is going to be an ongoing problem hmm. uh, going forward mm-hmm. until we begin uh, electing uh, different people uh, to the state house. And I'm not talking about just different uh, parties. I'm talking about people from both parties that are up there wanting to do uh, the best job they can for the people right. rather than the best job they can for special interest groups. And until that happens, we're going to continue to see massive budget deficits like we currently have. So what can we do as Tulsans to make sure, you know, to help kickstart that process? Because I think that's in the better interest of everyone. Well, the best thing would be for anyone listening to your program that has an interest in government, mm-hmm. um, I would I would encourage them to consider running for office. Really? Be part of the change. Or, or at least be a part of helping someone that you believe in run for office, be that Republican, Democrat, or Independent. Uh, we need some good, real people at the legislature. Uh, rather than and people that are willing to work hard and and uh, make our state a better place, I'm a fifth generation Oklahoman. My girls are sixth generation Oklahomans. But if they're going to grow up here and stay here when they graduate from high school, uh, we've got to start making some serious changes because right now 
I don't see there being opportunities for them to stay in Oklahoma, which is really sad for me. Wow. I know a lot of other families are, are dealing with the same thing where they've got to visit their kids and their grandkids out of state because there's not opportunities for them to stay in Oklahoma. Well, I'd say that's a pretty serious outlook. I mean, when you're looking that far down the road and you consider that, you know, it might be a problem to where you can't actually stay in the state. Well, when we're not, uh, if you want to incentivize uh, companies to come to Oklahoma, what they're looking for is, are you investing in education? Are you investing in public safety or in infrastructure with your highways and bridges or in health care? Mm-hmm. And you go, you go down the list and we're at or near the bottom in every category. Yeah, so I mean... very very difficult to incentivize and recruit companies from that Dallas or Chicago or Denver or uh-huh. Kansas City to relocate to Oklahoma. Um, I mean, just look at just look at our teachers. I mean, we're losing teachers to Northwest Arkansas and Southern Kansas and Southwest Missouri and North Texas by the literally by the hundreds. We yeah. had to have something like fifteen hundred um, uh, alternative certificates given to. Teachers, uh, I read just that to fill the classrooms who, yep. who ha- haven't actually fulfilled all the requirements to become a teacher. Yeah, I read so that, and I actually briefly considered problems. a I briefly considered a career change when I read that. I was like, okay, that could be an easy out. So you know, Liz, my wife, she works for uh, Tulsa Public Schools too, and I've kind of just been reading through that perspective, uh, the headlines that I see about the budget deficit and all that stuff. And like you said, the mass exodus of educators going to across the state borders and leaving. Uh, is that something you look at too? I know you have an ed- uh, education history as far as, you know, you yes. did some teaching yeah, here in Tulsa. Uh, I taught high school economics and government prior to being elected. Uh-huh. Uh, but both my parents are retired educators. My father taught 22 years at Greeley uh, Elementary and, and Tulsa Public Schools. And That's my right. mom taught 29 years as a special ed teacher. Uh, and they're both retired now. But, I mean, just looking at ed- education in Oklahoma, there's where you put your treasure, that's really where your heart is. Yeah. And in Oklahoma, we've cut education more than any state in the country since 2008. And at the same time, we've had an increase of 50,000 students above what we had in 2008. And combine those two together and you come up with the crisis that we have today. Yeah, especially whenever, yeah, it's exactly like you said, whenever the uh, the budget shrinks and the population or the, the, the class body size increases, that's not the way you want it to go. No, and if it, going back to me not really seeing the light at the end of the tunnel, I mean, ideally you would be reversing course on, we've, we've passed a billion dollars worth of tax cuts that have largely benefited the most wealthy Oklahomans. You've got uh-huh. two and a half billion dollars worth of tax cuts, large, most of which are icing on top of icing the two companies that don't make a difference whether they have a job mm-hmm. in Oklahoma, jobs in Oklahoma or not. And the, the other side's response to the budget hole is not to go back and fix what caused the problem. Their response has been, let's go raise taxes on fuel. Let's go raise taxes on tobacco. Let's go raise taxes on soda. Let's go raise taxes on everything under the sun that right. gets middle-class families and senior citizens and the working poor. Well, a single mom working two jobs didn't cause this crisis. Right. It's not her fault. Yep. It's not your next-door neighbor that's 80 years old's fault. It's the legislature's fault, and they need to go back and fix what we've done to cause the problem rather than punish people who had no 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 cause of the problem at all. Yeah, I'd say that would be a good first step. I mean, towards fixing this situation as far as, like, what's it going to take to come out of this hole? That would be a pretty darn good first step, in my opinion, too. I'll give you an example. 
mm-hmm. rather than tackling the tax credit issue, they did tackle a tax credit last session, but it was the earned income tax credit, which helps working poor families. Right. Uh, they, it incentivizes people to work. It was actually a program that Ronald Reagan put into place in the 1980s hmm. to encourage people to go work. And that was the first program, <laughs> one of the first tax credits they got rid of was a program that helps middle-class families and the working poor. Mm-hmm. And so their, uh, their character and their heart uh, is completely in the wrong place. And hopefully, uh, one, one thing, you never, you never let a good crisis go to waste. <laughs> so hopefully, um, <laughs> they will take advantage of this, this crisis uh-huh. and reverse course and be able to start making inroads to where we can finally start seeing a light at the end of the tunnel rather than a tunnel at the end of the light. Okay, well, let's jump tracks here for a second. I'm going to ask you a couple of lighthearted questions. And uh, sure. one thing I want to know, Eric, is what do you do on the weekend now? I mean, we used to hang out a lot when we were younger. Uh, what do you do on your weekends now? Well, one cool thing that um, my wife and I do, we've got, like I said, twin girls. And so every Saturday morning, uh, I will take one of my daughters and my wife takes one of uh, our daughters and we go two different ways. <laughs> so that our daughters have one-on-one time with us and we uh-huh. switch up every week. And so sometimes hmm. that's a picnic at the park. Sometimes that's going to see uh, Grandma and Grandpa up in Owasso and Collinsville. Mm-hmm. Sometimes that's going to the mall together, and we go into the aquarium. And so it's something new and different every week, and we try to um, try to make the day special for our kids. And then Sunday, uh, we go to we go to church and then have lunch over at my, my family's house. And uh, my wife's family is from Oklahoma City, so once or twice a month we'll head out that way. And see them, and so basically, my weekends are, are pretty much centered around family these days. It's it's really a joy, and it's a lot of fun. I mean, coming from having two daughters myself, my weekends were quite a bit different before my first one, and now it's like I don't I don't think I really have a choice what I do with my weekends, but I'm I'm really happy. So, uh, uh, well, that's yep, that's the way it should be. Everyone that's being a dad, you know? yeah. Okay, next question: Did you set a New Year's resolution this year? Really, my my New Year's resolution this year was to read more. Uh, I am so between having two two jobs and having the girls. Uh, at the end of the day, it's very tempting just to, to turn on the news and kick back and 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 not not read. And that's what I've done for a long time. And I'm looking forward to, to reading some things that I would really really like to get into and read that I haven't haven't done in the last couple of years. That's cool. Uh, and so that's that's been my New Year's resolution is to get in and find some good books and uh and relax in the evenings a little bit once the girls go down and uh, what kind of have, stuff have do you some, read sometimes just reading you know i read a lot of uh a lot of books reading written by different um different both political parties mm-hmm. so oh, okay. uh, books by john, john mccain books by president clinton um trying to get different perspectives because if you don't read if you're only reading stuff you agree with, you're not really growing. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. I try to read. I try to read books from uh, from authors that um, uh, that are going to make me think outside of my box. Um, so that's that's what I'm. I'm will probably be doing the next few months. <laughs> good stuff. I mean, that's a good hobby, especially with the weather how it was like today and the day before. I don't. I don't think there's any kind of outdoor hobbies I'm trying to do right now. But, um, no, it's a good, been a good, good weekend to be good inside, time to read. Sure. Yeah. Okay, one more question, Eric. What's your uh, what's your go to radio station whenever you get in your car in Tulsa? Uh, actually, this is gonna make me sound a little bit uh, a little bit old, but <laughs> I listen to I, I listen to NPR when I'm when I get in the station uh, when I get in the car, and that's really um, 
you can imagine with having two jobs and having two <laughs> two two-year-olds, mm-hmm. I don't like that. My goal when I get in the car is not to just turn on loud music. <laughs> oh, I know. I'm the same what way. What can I listen to that's going to be relaxing on my drive to work? I listen so, to NPR, too. My, uh, my youngest daughter, she's, like I said, four months old. She, if she's in her car seat, she's crying. The two things happen at the same time. And I've found that uh, listening to NPR kind of helps take me out of it somehow. I don't know why. It's almost counterintuitive, but it works. But what I was going to say is... The uh, with the girls, uh-huh. uh, it's listening to Finding Dory on the DVD for the 12th time. <laughs> <laughs> At least it's well, not a let it, it go. Yeah. So. Well, all right, Eric. Good talking to you, man. Uh, tell hey, your family. You, tell your family I said, hey, I hope everyone's doing good. Uh-huh. And, uh, wish you much success. Yeah, you too. All right, Eric. Take care. All right. Thanks, Tom. See you later. All right, well, that concludes episode number two of the Just Tulsa podcast. Thanks again for listening, if you did make it this far. I know that was pretty long. I'm going to be kind of tweaking the format of this as I go on, so kind of figuring out what works and what doesn't. The next podcast episodes won't be that long. Anyway, I hope you enjoyed it. We'll see you next week. Thanks a lot for listening. Have a great week.